We're studying the Sermon on the Mount. Personally, I think it's profound because even though some things we're used to, as we read through here and not hard to gather in, some things are quite a challenge. And we are less than honest with God if we don't share it the way it says it. That means that we're all open to one person's view versus another person's view. So you must search the Scriptures yourself. Not depend on me for what I said as being right, but you got to find out for yourself. That's what we call seeking the Lord. You find out for yourself. You want to make sure you get settled in your heart what this book is saying to you. If you're not sure, then you stay open. And you want to make sure that your life is an example of this word being lived out. Amen. Now, we have so far finished or come up through Matthew 7, and we finished verses 1 through 5 last week. We were talking about judge not lest you be judged and things of that sort. We didn't get to verse 6, but tonight we will. Verse 6 is talking about how we should use wisdom as Christians with our pearls. Let's find out what all of that means. In verse 6 it says, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under, under their feet, and turn again and rend you. Now, you all know, I don't have to tell you, that he's not talking about a literal dog or literal swine or hogs. We're not talking about animals, but these are descriptions that the Bible gives of certain kinds of people you'll run into in your life that you should be careful of, cautious around. In fact, the Bible said don't cast your pearls before swine. Now, how do we define that? Well, if you look and see cast that which is holy or your pearls, you'll find they refer to the same thing. Pearls is something that God has given to you. Anything that comes from God or is associated with God is holy. Any kind of a, a, a statement that he has made about something, about what we do, or those things are holy things. We call the Bible the holy word. Your Bible on the front, it probably says holy Bible. It's holy because it is a word from God to us. Anything associated with God is holy. You're holy. Did you know that? See, you don't want to respond to that because we have a hard time. Like the word perfect, we have a hard time with perfect. We have a hard time with holy. We even have a hard time with being spiritual. You know, ye who are spiritual, we talked about that the other day. A lot of people have a hard time admitting that they themselves are that or that you're holy. I mean, you know all about your weaknesses and your mistakes and your flaws and your shortcomings and what's in your closet and what strongholds you're dealing with in your life. Nobody has to tell you that. You know that well because you've probably heard it enough that you've had a chance to examine yourself and uh, you're quite aware of things in your life. Therefore, how could all of this exist in my life and I be holy? You're holy not because of any inherent value in your past or in your talents or anything. You're not holy because of what you are other than you are who God called to be his children. 
And he that is called you is holy, be ye holy also in all manner of life. That is, holy means separated. We get our word sanctified from that. You set apart unto God. You're not perfect. He didn't call you out of darkness into his marvelous light because you were perfect. And when he called you and saved you, he didn't make you perfect. You still have a mind. The Bible says it has to be renewed. There's a lot of information in your life you need to access. There's a lot of things that God wants to say if you're willing to listen, if you're willing to come. There's a lot of things that he has to say that you need to hear. Now, if you only hear what you want to hear, then that's about as far as you're going to go. But wherever you go, if God has accepted you, you are holy. And he wants you to become holy in all manner of life. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, he expects you to grow like this. Again, you're not holy because you attend church, but you're holy because God himself, by an act of his will, brought you out of the miry clay and set you in his presence. It is God who gave you a way to live. It opened your eyes to see the truth. He wouldn't do that to an unholy creature, but he would to somebody that he has made holy. When God removed that old nature out of you and put a new nature in you, as in Ezekiel 11 in the Old Testament says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. When he did that, you got something from heaven that is a treasure. They got something that is unique amongst men because not all men have that. We call it salvation. You got God and Christ in you, the hope of glory. Is Christ in you holy? Are you his purchased possession? Are you his ransomed people? Did he die for you? Then you're holy. Okay, having settled that, what is a pearl? Well, a pearl is considered holy also because he said, don't give that which is holy to dogs and don't cast your pearls before swine. So pearls and holy have something to do with the same thing, something that God has given, something that has come from God is deposited in you that is yours. It is uniquely yours. And we'll say more about that in just a moment. But he's talking about your testimony what he has done for you that you could tell and you do tell others about. Things that make you worship. Things that cause you to to say praise the Lord. Things that inspire you to want more. This is your testimony. This this is what you put a lot of value on if if you're doing it right. Your testimony of the day you got saved. How many of you know that everybody's salvation is not the same way? I mean, some people were born again here, some were there, some in the mother and daddy's lap. I've heard some real interesting ones I had a hard time with, but that's their story. I have a testimony in my life of what God has done for me. I can tell you when he started it, and I can tell you how long he's been doing it, and I can even tell you what today's date is, and he's still doing it. All these years, something happened many years ago, June 30th, 1968, and it has never ceased to stop. It's always been. Through the years and hitting potholes in this plowing field we're going through and hitting obstacles and feeling weary and all of that, there's been something of that beginning that has never left, and it's in there not only as a pearl of great price. I'm not a Mormon. They have a book by that title, but 
It's a pearl that is a treasure to me. It's an honor. And that pearl is described here as my testimony. It's the experiences of my life as a Christian with God. The things that I treasure. I can't give your testimony, but I can give mine. This is what the Lord has done for me. I am enjoying this and enjoying that. God has blessed me materially and you know enough. And I've been well, and I'm still married, and, and uh, happily at that. Isn't that amazing? After all these years, 50 years this year, 50 years. Poor woman. But anyway, uh, this is my testimony. And if somebody's willing to listen, I can tell you what I attribute the successes in my life to. It certainly isn't any clever talents I have, but it's about trusting God. God made a promise. Somebody told me I could take him at his word. And when I began to do that, though I'd never quite done this before, in very simple little ways, he began to do wonderful things. This is my testimony. They keep building up in my life like a, a pile of stones. Remember what Ebenezer stones were? These are your testimonies. These are your experiences. Remember that time? Remember that other time? Remember this time when? And remember that time in the car? we got? Remember when God? All of these things are your experiences. This is my pearl. This is, this is my treasure. And it's holy because not only did God give it to me as his child, but it's also God who enables me to live this way. You see, Again, God, whatever he attaches himself to is holy. You, me, his word. In the Old Testament, they call it Holy Sabbath, the Saturdays. You know, that was their Sabbath day, the Holy Sabbath and holy places, holy covenants. God describes many things with holy because he wants us to know that he inspired it, he promotes it, and he's the author of it. And so... We look at ourselves as we've come to this 7th chapter and this 6th verse. We just read we're not to judge people, but we have to judge people in order to ascertain who is a dog and who is a hog. And you cannot get around that. You have to make a judgment call. Oh, we're going to witness to the world. That's good, and, and we should. We are the only light the world has, and we should share it. But there are some instances and some situations we don't. Because the people that you're wanting to share it with will only take what you say and use it against you or mock you with it or ridicule with it, cynical people. And we're told not to do that. Now, let me ask you something. What is a dog and what is a hog? Well, I just said that they are... They are Two-legged creatures. There are people on this earth. But to speak of somebody as a dog or to refer to somebody as swine is a great insult. In the biblical times especially, we're not so bothered by that today. If somebody, somebody called you a pig, you might be bothered by that because the word pig and hog doesn't have a good ring to it. Maybe a tasty pork chop or something, or a, but but when you refer to a person as a as a pig, or refer well you dog, even today with us, that doesn't have a good ring to it. Even though we may have a pet dog or maybe a pet pig, I've heard of those things. You seen those little pot-bellied pigs in the Vietnam era that people buy the little belly scrape the ground? 
you haven't seen them. Well, anyway, they had such a thing that people, some people made, uh, they made pets out of these, out of these things. And a dog is just a, is, is a creature that is put in low light in the Bible. Let me just read a few verses for you. You can, you can follow me later on. You can get home and you want to take notes or something. But in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 26, Jesus said this about children's bread. He said, it is not meat that we should take children's bread and give it to dogs. Now, what was that story about? A Syrophoenician woman had a daughter who needed deliverance, needed a miracle. Nobody could help her. She comes to Jesus. Son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is grievously vexed, afflicted, and so forth. And he ignored her. She cried out again much louder. Probably. You would have. This only hope you have of your daughter ever having a normal life. I'm sure you would. I would hope you would wade in there and hang in there. Because he was listening. And he said, it's not fit for me to take what you want, which is what I can give. A miracle. It's not right to take this which belongs to the Jewish people, children's bread, and give it to dogs. Now, I guess a lot of people that I have known in my past would have hung their head and said, well, if that's the kind of Savior you are going to worship, then just count me out. But this lady really wanted deliverance. And even though she was referred to as unworthy of things, as a dog, she said, that, that is true. That is true. But she said, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall on the floor. Your people don't let it all stay in. They just go out their mouth and on the floor, and the dogs eat it off the floor. Her daughter got healed over that. But the word dog was not a very uh, complimentary thing to be called. In Psalms 22, 5, it, uh, it says, For dogs have compassed me. And then he says, The assembly of the wicked. So wicked people, harmful, mean people are referred to as dogs. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 2, we're warned, Beware of dogs and beware of evil workers. So at, by two verses here, we see that a dog is defined as somebody evil or wicked. People who have no intention of complimenting your testimony or praising God for the good things he's done for you, but they don't believe it, they don't care about it, and they want to mock you and make fun of you with it. Try to get you mad is what they try to do. In Second Peter chapter 2, verse 22, you remember this, but it has happened unto them, according to the true proverb, the dog is turned again to his own vomit and the sow that was washed to the wallowing in the mire. Talking about another, when people give this up and walk away from it and go back. Can you imagine a dog? Have you ever seen a dog? Well, that's gross. I, I, I had a dog that did that once years ago. That, that dog, Corky was his name. Meanest dog in Indiana. Did that, growled and yanked and gagged and let go and then sat there and ate it back. That's a nasty dog. That's a nasty thing to do. You wouldn't do that. You'd get beat up every day of your life and get whipping every day if you did that. But dogs do that because that's the nature of a dog. And people that do that are, this is what he said, you know, these dogs vomit up what they didn't want to keep. 
and a hog that was all cleaned up and made presentable and, and nice. She liked that mud she came out of, or he did, and they go back to that mud. Back they go. Revelation 22, I do want you to turn to this verse where it tells us who will be out of heaven, out of the holy place, heaven. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 15. These are the lost. This is how God refers to lost people at the end. For without, outside of this eternal place, for without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. You know, that's not a very good crowd to run with, the one we just read. Listen to it. These people do not live with God in eternity. They're referred to as dogs. They are sorcerers, and the word for sorcerers there is a word pharmakia, and it really has to do with drugs. But I can say this today, there's never been a time, I don't think in any time in all of history, that drug uses and misuses of drugs are on the scale and the level they are now, and they're going to get a whole lot worse. We're living in a time and a generation that craves the altering of their minds. I think we're living in a generation of people that are almost disgusted with who they are and what they are and escape that with drugs. And while they escape that, they get what we call hooked. And to get those drugs, they will, they will do just about anything. A kid that I coached in high school years ago became a, he became a doctor and uh, got hooked on drugs and was caught. And they put him away and uh, told him he could never do that again, and he committed suicide. I cannot imagine standing here tonight the power of any drug to whatever a drug does having such a grip on a man or a woman's life that without that drug, you don't want to live anymore. It just seems to me that life is bigger than that. But I've never been where he was. I never did what he did. I don't know what he's going through, but it was it, he could have had it better than what he had it than what he had it. But outside, there are dogs and sorcerers, whoremongers. You see them on uh, movies every night. Murderers. You see those everywhere. They commit everywhere. There's an abortion. There's a murder. And I don't care how educated and and refined the. The skillful hands of the abortionist is he is a murderer. He has shed innocent blood. I'm just going to read it. And idolaters and whosoever loves and makes a lie. See, the Jews, the Jews had no regard for the anything good about a dog. And to call somebody a dog, there's more scriptures in this, but to call somebody a dog was an insult. You may not remember this, but do you know what Goliath said to David when he came out against him? He said, am I a dog? He's a Philistine. 
He was a Gentile dog. He said, am I a dog that you come to me with staves or sticks? I mean, he took that as an insult. Let's fight. I don't want to fight some kid with a stick. Well, he probably put his stick down and got him one of those made-in-heaven rocks, a God-made rock, and and put it between his eyes, and that was the end of that battle. But uh, swine, take the word swine. Swine is an unclean animal in the Bible. Jews weren't even permitted to be around them, and yet some of them raised them. You know, when Jesus cast those demons on Gadara, at Gadara, when he cast those demons out of that man, and they went into the swine, they ran over the cliff, fell into the sea. Well, there were, it just tells us that not all Jews were reverent towards God about living according to the, to the Bible. And to Jesus, it was no great loss for a man to lose all of his swine all of his hogs, but they were unclean animals. You were not to eat them. You're not to touch them. And over there today, you'll find in Israel today, there's no, I, I don't think there is. I don't think there's any, you might find pork. I didn't go look for it when I was there and I'm not going to look for it when I go back. But I, I don't think pork is very popular amongst the Jewish people because of what, of what the Bible says. And, you know, people who write stuff about the unclean animal like a pig, it tell you how easily it does this and how they eat anything. It goes right into their body and bypasses this. And when you eat the swine, you eat whatever they ate and all of that. I don't know about all of that. I know that I can eat what I want to eat because I'm not under a law. I'm not bound to a Old Testament all meats have been made clean to me. I can eat anything if I receive it with thanksgiving. There is a study here to be made about dogs and swine, but we're not talking about the literal animals here. That's not the point. The point is there are people who are likened to these kind of creatures, and you're not to cast your pearl before these people at all. I mean, this is just something that you don't do. Take, for example, pearls. In a parable, Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls. And in this field, he found one. You remember what it said he did? He sold everything he had to buy that pearl. So we're supposed to gain something from it. God's showing us something. Whatever it was that man was searching for, it was really a big deal to him. And when he found it, it was a bigger deal because he sold everything he had just to get that pearl. That was an essential need in his life, and I think it is in ours too, because it is our testimony as Christians of our walk with the Lord. And the Bible says we're not to cast our pearl before swine. Now, how would we, because we have to do this, how would we locate dogs and swine? How could we find out, how could we ascertain what is a dog and what is a hog? Because whoever they are, my testimony is not for them. How about TV talk shows? I'd like somebody someday to try to explain to me what about a television is holy. What I'm saying about you being on a TV program with somebody uh, uh, trying to give your Christian testimony. Now, I've watched people stumble over words, uh, very simple, plain people who, who have a wonderful testimony, something that Jesus did, and they get on these shows, and, and then you realize while they're talking, 
the inter, the interviewer is trying to make them look like fools. And, so, and most of the time, they do. They call on the radio. Because, you know, all a talk show host have to do is say, what do you all think about the Bible? Well, here they, these, I believe in God, you know, and here they come. And then the talk show host has the last word, and he or she, when they get done, they say something that the world would applaud. Well, I think, you know, you ought to keep your beliefs to yourself or something or not force them down my throat. Amen. Which means that our relationship to God is a private thing and nobody should ever know about it. That's hogwash. I've watched a TV interview once. This preacher was being inter- interviewed by an atheist. He's popular talk show host, but he, his name is not worthy to be mentioned here tonight. And, and this guy's vile. When I say he's vile, that's a judgment call. He's vile. V-I-L-E. He is vile. I would classify him with the, with the swine and the dogs. Because his intention was not gaining from you what your testimony is about, of how God has wonderfully delivered you. He wants to hear what you have to say so he can begin to twist things that you say. Oh, really? So you, uh, so let me see now. Let me get this right. So you just uh, walked in the room and, and uh, your child is having a fever and needs medical attention. And so you laid hands on him and, and he got well. <laughs> And everybody else goes, because who's ever seen that? Who's ever heard of such a thing? Only in the walls of a church do we ever take things like that serious. That God would or could do such a thing with the likes of you? Who are you? Are you a preacher? Have you been to a seminary? Have you studied about No. But you could go lay hands on somebody and they can be here. If I bring somebody in here, uh, you reckon you could heal them? I remember listening to a radio Christian talk show, I, wasn't, I hadn't been saved too long. I lived in Charlestown, Indiana then, and one day this program, this, they always wanted to debate people. And uh, this preacher one day was talking about how miracles have ceased and they're not for today. God does not heal miraculously today. Today God heals through means of the medical profession or or pills or operations and and that's the way that's the way God does whatever he does today and that he does not do miraculous healing laying on that's all passed away so some preacher called up and quoted the bible well these people knew the bible every bit as well as he did and this preacher I remember him saying I tell you what I'll do you come on the program tomorrow we'll get your name as soon as we get off the air here and you come on our program tomorrow, and I'm going to bring somebody in here, and I want you to heal him. I'm going to bring a sick person that I know in our church. I'm going to bring them here, and I want you to heal them. And I thought at the time, this just popped in my mind like that. I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. Do you all believe that God saves people? Yeah, how does he save people? Well, by the hearing of the word and faith. Yeah, okay, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. We've got a janitor in our church. He's just like y'all or like that other guy. And, and I'm going to bring Harvey if I could. I doubt I could get that old soul over there. But I'm going to bring Harvey over here. And I want to see you save him. Is God saving people today? Well, save him. Come on, Harvey. They're going to save you today. You know what they would have said to me? We can't save him if he doesn't want to be saved. 
I would have said, why? Isn't there power in the gospel to say? Yeah, but Harvey doesn't, Harvey doesn't believe. Oh. Okay, so it comes down to a matter of faith. So that's your problem. You don't believe that God can. That's why he couldn't heal this lady in church. She doesn't believe they could be healed. Remember the time in Acts 14 I would have said to him, when Paul, seeing a man there in that service who had faith to be healed, said unto him with a loud voice, Stand up right on thy feet and walk. Remember that time they tore the roof off and lowered a man down and Jesus looked up and he saw their faith? Remember that? Come on, you boys know that. Don't you know the word? Yeah, you know that. Remember he saw their faith? Did he get healed? Yeah. Why did he get healed? Because they were having a tent meeting? No, because he bleed. Harvey doesn't believe and never has believed. He's gone now and he wishes he had believed. He's just like a million other souls that are satisfied with nothing. There are situations in which I hope you know, there are situations that I would limit myself as to how much I would say. What I tell about healing testimonies, it it depends on where I am and who I'm around. Because if somebody's going to start mocking and arguing with me, I'm not going to say anything to them. I might just keep my mouth shut and let them pound on my headpiece. Because I do, personally, stand here tonight, I do take seriously what he said here. I'm not going to share my testimony or power and healing and prosperity and blessing and, 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 and the goodness of God. I'm not going to just share it with whoever wants to hear it. Most of the time it would. But there's a lot of people who are going to, going to mock you with it. How about the good old boys? How about the good old boys down at the little hangout? They're all in there talking about this and talking about that and blankety blank this and blankety blank that. And you come in, one of the first things they said, like that teacher did to me one time, the teacher said, here comes Billy Graham. Well, he won his battle because he made me mad. Because that's what they wanted. They want to see you call yourself a Christian and get mad. But I didn't show my mad. I didn't like this teacher. His name was Revel, but it was close to what he really was. And I said, you know what, Billy Graham, I said, I have my Bible here, and I know you need this. Let me share with you some of what the Bible says. He said, I'm going to hear all that stuff. I said, then leave me alone. I see, that wasn't the right way to do that. I wouldn't talk to him about the Lord because he'd come up and say, Hamilton, let me ask you something. If a man is and God is, what would you know, those people are only wanting to trick you, just like scribes. Jesus didn't answer all the people that talked to him. They were always trying to find some fault or some weakness in your life. Well, there's a preacher over there. Preacher, tell us what. I have no comment. I'll tell you something else. There are times in my life when I would not talk to a reporter. If the reporter was trying to investigate one of two sides and bring them together in an article. If it was something about the church or about us, our people, and somebody else in, a, in the community or a law or something, usually over healing. I would not make a comment to those people. I would only say I have no comment, which they hate because now they can't tell your side of the story or distort it. I'm not opposed to talking to a reporter. Whenever the, uh, uh, three years ago, I'm, 
A man down at the end of our road was murdered. Uh, it was the next day, I think, or the day or two after that, a TV crew pulled up in the yard, and a young lady come to the door and said, uh, are you the man who lives here? I said, yes. She said, you know about, I said, yes. And she said, could we interview you and, and get your take on what happened being a uh, neighbor down the road here? And I said, no. I said, uh, this is pretty sensitive time to be talking about all of this. Some of these people up here are still trying to figure out what happened. And uh, I'd rather not add anything to it or take away anything from it and just leave them alone. She said, okay, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I said, you're welcome. If it had been something else, it had been, been personal, if it had been our church, I wouldn't speak to them. I really wouldn't because I know, I know what they do. I remember one man said one time to a reporter who kept nagging him, he said, look, if God be for you, who can be against you? And you know what? She wrote in an article, she said, well, at least one of these people are now having second questions about what happened for. They told me if God, if God is for you, he can also be against you. <laughs> Let me ask you something. That was casting your pearl before a swine. Now, if a reporter said, well, why won't you talk to me? What if I said, well, to quote the Sermon on the Mount, And you know how that, I said, because you're swine. Oh, <laughs> you just up the ante on what they're going to write about you or what they're going to really try to find now. A soft answer turns away wrath. You don't have to be ugly and defiant about it. You just, sometimes it's just a, look, I have no comment. A lady met me at the door one time years ago back in the early 80s at the church door. We were up here over the railroad tracks. And uh, she looked sleepy and tired and hadn't had her coffee yet. And I was coming to church, and she's standing there, and she looked at me, and she said, because I had a towel, she said, excuse me, are you the preacher? I knew who she was, but she didn't have a camera and didn't have anybody with her. And I said, yes, I am. She said, uh, could I talk to you for just a minute? And I said, no. I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go in here and preach. If you want to come in and listen, I'll let you do that. But let me ask you something first. I said, are you saved? Well, no, I'll go to Episcopal. I said, you know what? God can save you if you're willing to be saved. So I started talking to her about salvation. She got, you know, like, she didn't act like this, but you could see on the inside going, no, I don't want to be saved. I want to be a reporter, which means I don't want to be restricted to seeing things God's way. I want to have two eyes. I don't want to be single-eyed. I want, I want to be able to, you know, to be fair, I don't want to have any religious persuasions other than being liberal and being a, well, I'll be that, but I don't want to be anything else. I'm saying to you, Jesus warned us that there are evil workers, there are wicked people, there are dogs, and there are swine, and many times, with an opportunity, they want you to share what you believe so they can mock you with it and turn on you, as he said, turn on you and rend you with it. And we're told not to share that. And sometimes all you have to say is, I have no comment. Well, can you? I have no comment. Will you tell us again? And you're not supposed to turn around and say, dear I know you went to high school because you can write. But I said no 
comment. That's what they want you to do. So they can take a picture of you. And that's the picture that's in the paper. But if there was some kind of a catastrophe and some kind of a wonderful thing happened, they wondered, I would sure would. I'd say, yeah, that's fine. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. I'm all for that. And Yeah. But I, my place in life is not to be controversial in public and not to be a side taker with what's going on other than the gospel. And if people want to declare things that are wrong and they want you to make comments on it, you might as well just walk away. Leave it alone. Now, Matthew 7, verse 7 through 11. This is the second part of the third part of Matthew 7. And here he talks about, this is our second sermon tonight. This is sort of an extension of the phrase over in uh, chapter 6, take no thought. This probably would go along with that about sinful anxiety. And one of the reasons that we don't have to have sinful anxiety and worry and stress is because we have a source. And listen to what Jesus said about this source. Verse 7, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Now, is that true? Now, you don't know very many people that will say, if we just get honest here and unzip the true man and said, do you really believe that? Most of them would say, if they were honest, they would, I want to believe that. I want to believe that if I ask, I'll get. That if I seek, I really will find, because there's answers I really and dearly need to know. I tell people, oh, if, I, if I could just know, if I could just know. Well, you can know. Seek, ask, and knock. And the promise from God in every case is positive. He never, he never says here, it might work, it could work, sometimes it works. He just said it, it will. We could spend a month right here, and I, we might, but I, I, don't, I don't anticipate that. But we could spend a long, long time here talking about whether or not God really does this. Because while we amen it, we're supposed to. We're Christians. We're in a Christian environment. We're supposed to agree with, with God. It's in the Bible. Yes, amen. Do you believe that? Do you believe that if you ask, you will indeed get what you ask for? Do you believe if you knock that a revelation will come to you? Do you believe if you really seek God about something that you'll really get it? Or do you hope you'll get it? Do you earnestly just, oh, wish I could have, oh, God? Do you believe that if you want to get something from the Lord, act, ask, seek, that you have to spend a lot of time praying and, and languish for a while and cry out to God? Do you believe that's how it works? Because it doesn't say that. It's just simply ask, seek, and knock. And the conjunction is, and it shall be done for you. Well, that's kind of like James chapter 1. You don't have to turn over. You, you know James 1 and verse 5. If any man lack wisdom... That's how to. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, 
who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. He doesn't, he doesn't get on you because you were, you've been here all morning asking me something. He doesn't do that. God is all, his, his office is always open. The throne is always open to come boldly to it. But there's a whole lot of people that will say, you know, I did that. I tried that. I made a big issue out of that. I fasted while I did it and still didn't work. I sought God with my whole heart as best I could tell. And I cried out to God and I labored. Oh, God. And it did not work. And I know I'm saved. I know I'm a Christian. And I know I love God, but it didn't work. Now, I've been here. I've had this conversation many times. And I have to say to them, I'm not doubting what you're saying, but what I'm saying to you is I'm going to stand with God on this thing. If he said he would, then he will. If he said he does, then he does. Now, if that's what he said, that's what I'm going to believe. Now, you're telling me that it doesn't always work. I can't believe that. In other words, I can't accommodate you by saying, well, you know, you might be right. I don't know. So it might be right. This is how you avoid arguments. Well, I don't know. You might be right. You just kind of compromise, get in the middle of the road, and you don't take a stand. Huh? I guess. But I'm going to say this. No, I'm sorry about what you went through because I know that was very difficult for you. But I believe what God said is true. James said, the book of James said that he giveth to all men liberally. And upbraideth not. He didn't make any exclusions, did he? He didn't say to some, sometimes to some people, he said he gives to all men. A L L. All men liberally and upbraideth not. If any man lack wisdom, your source is God. You want to know what to do? Go ask God. He said, ask, seek, and knock, and you'll get it. Didn't he? Then why is it not working? Now go to James chapter 1. Let me give you a few reasons. Most of them you already know. You're probably familiar with all of them. But let me give you just a few reasons tonight in part two here of our message as to why people who ask don't receive, people who seek don't find, and people who knock have nothing open to them. Let me tell you why. Number one, the major reason is James chapter 1 and verse 6. He said in verse 5, God gives liberally. But, he said in verse 6, let him ask how. Let him ask in faith without wavering. Wavering and wavereth is a word to doubt. It means to hesitate. The word diacrino, we looked at anacrino Sunday, diacrino, di means to, crino means to judge. It's not bad to, as a judge to look at both sides. But with respect to what God said, there's no two sides about it. It's not God could, God might, but you don't know. If God said he will, if God said he does, then he does. That's the end of the story. Now, if he doesn't, the problem is not with God, because God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should recant. If he said it, He'll do it. And if he spoke it, he'll make it good. Now, God cannot be other than that. That's the way he is presented in the word. His integrity is intact. He is faithful. His fidelity is eternal. God will always be like this. 
God will always watch over his word to consider performing it. No, to perform it. He doesn't say he could or he might. He just said he watches over his word to perform it. Now, that's what he does. That's how we see God in the Bible is doing it. Now, in James chapter 1, verse 5, he said, if you lack, ask of God. But this is, these are the terms. These are the conditions. Ask in faith without doubting. The big deal about doubting is the uncertainty. You know you believe God could. That's a given. You know that. I mean, when you read the Bible, he already has. It's not a question of can he. He's already done it. But it comes down to this in your personal investigation of your own life and convictions. Will he do it for me? And will he do it for me simply because I ask? Am I good enough? Am I spiritual enough? Am I qualified enough? Have I gone far enough to deserve this? And yet he doesn't say that. He doesn't say those that are deep in the Lord, those that are older in the Lord, those that are mature in the Lord can ask in God. He just says, whosoever. Remember what Jesus said? What things soever you desire when you pray, believe. And you shall get it. Now, that's what your heavenly father says when he spoke through Jesus. What things soever you desire. When you pray, believe, you have received it. Not could receive it, not might receive it, but that you did. That you have, a positive thing. And he said, if you believe when you pray, you have received it. He said, you'll get it. Now, that's his condition. There's no problem from God's side. The most difficult Prayer to answer that has ever been is nothing more than a blink of God's eyes. There is nothing too difficult for God. Nothing. But God holds us not just to ask, because that's easy. Everybody asks. Remember the bumper sticker says prayer changes things? Not always. It didn't change you. It didn't change your circumstances. It didn't change that bill you had or that divorce your kids were going through or that, or that sickness that somebody had. It didn't change that. Why do you say prayer changes things? You know, but you know good and well, in your case, it didn't work. Why didn't it work? Probably because you have never been taught how to believe. And yet believing is such a simple thing, or faith is. Faith is a noun, believe is a verb, but they're referring to the same thing. It's me doing to God what I do naturally in this world, to pop machines. I read the instructions. Faith cometh how? Let me, can I do this one more time about the pop machine? Will you let me? All right. A guy comes to this country to be a citizen. He learns how to read English. Finally masters enough English that he can get by. And so one day he's thirsty. He sees the stuff that's advertised, Coke, Pepsi, uh, whatever it is. And he sees on there, it'll cost you $1. So he gets in his pocket, and he finds four quarters. Now, how does he know it takes four quarters? Somebody say, because he read that. The man has learned to read, so he looks at the pot machine that says, this will cost you, amigo, $1. So he says, okay. So he begins to see, I've got that. And then he looks further down. And he said, this is how it works. 
The pop is in the machine. Now, his natural mind said, how do I know it's in there? Says who? Well, that's all you got is what it says. That's all you got. There's, that's all there is. There's no representative of this country that stands by these machines to verify that there's pop in there. He doesn't have a key. So here, I'll show it to you. Look at this. There it is. You have to take their word at it, don't you? If you want the pop, you've got to believe what was said without seeing it first. So he reads it. He said, this is the way. Walk, uh, no, uh, put your four quarters in here and then make a selection. Selection. Okay, so he makes a selection. I want the green one. I can't read it, but it's the green one. So I punch the green one, and I hear this noise. And then it pops out, and it's cold. This is America. Praise the Lord. And it's cold pop. And so he pops it open, and now he's got a pearl. Oh, he's got a, a worldly pearl. He's got a testimony. Hey, brother, guess what I did? I put the quarters in the machine. Whoa. You know what? We have a Bible. It's instructions. It not only tells you what you can have, but it tells you how to get it. And you can't get it any other way. Crowbars and screwdrivers are not allowed here. Yeah, well, you can't always tell. Well, that is true. That's why those dents are in a lot of old pop machines, because sometimes they didn't work and somebody tried to kill the thing. But normally and naturally speaking, you read the instructions. you got them right here in this book. You read this book. You read it all your life if you're Christian. And one day it occurs to you, you know, I've never experienced that. Everyone that asks us receives. I've done a lot of asking. I haven't got a lot of receiving. Why? What are you doing? What you seek, you'll find. <laughs> I, was, uh, I wish I could find some answers and find some things. He said, if you seek, you'll find. Read the instructions. How do you get it? How do I get what I want? My heart is set on this green pop here. It's set up. How do I get it? Well, you you put you got to do this, and then you got to act in accordance with what it says. You have to be a doer of the, and not just a hearer only. If you want the pop, you, this is the only way you're going to get it. You can't lay hands and say, "Oh, in Jesus' name, I'm going to get." No, you can quit all of that. That doesn't work. All that will do is get you a crowd, and somebody eventually will take you somewhere and talk to you. Just put your four quarters in it, do what it says, and enjoy it. If faith in God, which is simply taking God at his word, that's what he said. That's how we got saved. Somebody showed us, told us we're sinners, that we're lost. And that if you want to be saved, here's what God said. And you have to repent, believe, and trust God for, for the work that, going, that he's going to do it. And in that wonderful way, God does a lot of marvelous things you don't know about yet. He makes you his own and so on and so forth. But that's how it works. You can't say, Lord, I've been working down here awful hard. I'm really counting on you when I go to heaven. That you No, that ain't how you get to heaven. That's not the instructions that God gives in his word. You've got to believe. Sir, what must I do to be saved? What are you saying in Acts 16? Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Believe. 
Oh, surely there's more than that. <laughs> more than you'll want to listen to, but let's start with it. Believe. Take God at His Word. Count on God to do what God said, just like I'm counting on this machine to respond to the things I did. Count on God to do what He said. If He said, if He said that, that you will be blessed when you go out and bless when you come in, then believe is a verb which means shows action. I'm going to act like when I walk out of here, I'm going to be blessed. I may not look blessed. I may not sound blessed, but he didn't say I would look like it or sound like it when I prayed. He simply said, when you pray, believe. Therefore, I'm going to act like I'm blessed. Hallelujah. How y'all to, I'm going to act like I'm healed. I am best I can. Sometimes you can't hide it. I'm going to act like I, all my needs are met and I'm not going to advertise them. What if I had to come here and say, folks, it's been a long month. I, I'll tell you all something. We're going to have to dig a little deeper this morning. Woo, Brother Tom's got some hefty bills to pay. Now, what if I did that? Who am I looking to, you or God? What if I prayed about it first and said, Lord, I cast. Is that still in the Bible? I cast all my care upon you. I lay all of my burdens down at your feet. And now that you know my need and you said you will meet my needs, then as far as I'm concerned, according to Mark 11:24, my needs are met. I believe I have received. I may not feel better, look better, sound better. My pockets may be as empty as they were, and my wife may be as mean as she was, but I believe. I am awaiting your work. In the meantime, I'm going to give you what you asked for, and that's my faith. And if you said it, you'll do it. If you spoke it, remember he said that? You know where he said it? Isaiah 55. Sneak over there. Boy, that's a place to eat over there in Isaiah. Go over there to that restaurant in Isaiah 55 down on 11th Avenue. Oh, so shall my word be. Verse 11, is it still in there? 55, 11, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. Those are the, listen, those are the instructions. God says, I'm giving you, the church, and only you, the instructions. Natural men can't receive this, but you'll be able to. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return empty. But it will accomplish what? Now let me ask you a question. When he ends that verse by saying, It shall accomplish that which I please and prosper in the thing whereto I send it, something like that. Then when I find a promise in the Bible like for saving me, a man is born again when he believes the word, not a corruptible seed, but of the incorruptible seed by the word of God which lives and abides forever. And when a man believes the word, does God have power in the word he sent to perform that? Is that how you get saved? Is it an act of God in a man's life to change his life? It is. So what he said, he does. Remember the psalmist said, all of his benefits, bless the Lord, he said, who forgives all what? Does he or not? 
You know why he does? He does because he said he would. His word that he sent forth doesn't return empty. It accomplishes that which he pleases. It prospers in what he sent it to. He sent his word in this case to save, and therefore it saves. And the whole world needs to hear that at least once. They may never hear it again, but they'll hear it once because the grace of God that brings salvation at the end will have appeared to all men everywhere. Not every man wanted it. They frustrate the grace of God. They turn away from it, but it came. But this word that he sent forth, folks, this is the most marvelous and wonderful thing, treasure and blessing that God has ever given to man. It's an opened eye to see what he said. Because this is the entire basis for faith. You cannot have get faith any other way than by God opening your eyes to what he says in his word and which he allows you to believe. And he doesn't say this is this sometimes work, it doesn't work. He said he he blesses all who believe it. Just like when Jesus healed, when they brought multitudes to him, he turned nobody down. He didn't say to any, no, I don't want you well. I want. He, did, he, he healed them all. Man has changed all of this, but God hadn't. And again, back to Isaiah 55 again in verse 11. He said his word will accomplish that which he pleases. Well, would it please God to perform his word? Let me ask you this. Are there any other promises in the Bible than just being saved? I mean, is there one more? How about crowning me with loving kindness and tender mercy? Is that a benefit? It is therefore a promise. Can he do that? Why will he do that? Because I ask. He doesn't just go through life and say, well, in Shelbyville, let me see, I'm going to bless, um, let me find somebody that probably could need a little blessing here. We don't have to look far. And he, and he would bless. But that's not the way it works. The ground at the, level, the, ground at the foot of the cross is level. We're all... By his grace drawn to that. We're all free. We stand before him equal. Nobody's better than anybody else. You have ears to hear. He said, hear. You listen. You don't have to, but you can. If you're willing to, Holy Ghost will show you what he said. That's how faith comes. You'll find yourself wrestling with something. Well, how can this be? You know, I've been sick my whole life. All through college and high school, I was always sick. Six too much, so much that I had to have half of my lung removed. How can how can you just say I believe? And then you get well. And yet, it's like humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. That's what's offered. That's how He offers you things, isn't it? And He offers it to you in His mighty hand. And he gives it to you, and you take it and say, "Lord, I don't understand this, but I'm." And here we are. Forty what years later, still well? I think that's my pearl. That's a treasure to me. Because for one thing, it glorifies God. I know man likes to take pride and look at me. But that's not what I'm saying. And it hadn't been just something I asked for him once. For 40 years, this thing has to stay fresh. I don't, want, I don't want anything to ever cloud that out of my mind. I do not listen to, if I can hit the button or turn on, I do not listen to drug commercials. 
You know why? I have found me a drug. It's called the gospel. I don't. I don't. I don't listen to the, did you know that if you have, that's as far as they get, if I can get to my hand on something or hit my radio. I don't want to know what it is. I don't, I don't want to know. I don't want to know the name of it. I've heard a lot of names, and I know too much of that in my own mind now. I don't want to know what the symptoms are. I don't know why they work. I don't want checkups. I don't want investigations about nothing in my life, my body. Me and Bonnie had this talk the other night. I, I, I just leave me to God. He said it. He'll do it. And if that's what he said, and that's what he watches over to perform, so be it. But this is one of the major reasons why people don't get answers to prayer. I'm not talking about bad people. I'm just talking about people who want to believe but probably don't know how to believe, or believing has never been a big deal. You know, they know little, few people that ever believe. You know, when I got saved, the crowd I was in, this was a big deal. It just happened that way with, with me. We talked about it all the time. We encouraged people all the time. We looked for somebody to pray all the time. Maybe it's a work. We pick up hitchhikers. Well, let's try him. Lay your hands on his head. We just did stuff all the time. Because God said it. We had to learn to use wisdom along the way, but it was never a flaw in our life to want to do what God said. We believed it. We began to realize that God will not let you down. God didn't bring us all this far to, to, to let us all just fragment and lose hope. We'll get to that next time. Faint. He didn't bring us here to do that. That's not what he's doing. To be strong in the Lord and the power of his might is to know what his might is. His might is his word. The, the gospel is the power of God in Romans 1. That's his might. That's what you're to be strong in. That's what, you're to, that's what we focus on. As a church, we come together to preach the word. Be instant in season, out of the season. Preach the word. Hold fast to the word. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman. Get in the word. Stay with the word. Quote the word. Think the word. Live the word. Meditate on the word. Word, 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 word. Somebody said, we all worship the word. You know, if the word, if the eternal logos... Is Jesus said, okay, we'll do that. Because my only relationship I have is on the basis of what I, I have been given to read in this book. It's the Word of God. I knew today when I got to the first point of why knocking and seeking and asking doesn't work, I knew I wouldn't last. The, I knew this would take up the rest of the time. But I don't mind. Because I cannot think of anything as we leave, as we close. I cannot think of anything more important tonight than for those who profess to be Christians to act like believers, to live like the Word is true. Amen. Amen. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, your Word is a treasure to us. When we put it in our heart, it talks to us. We cannot escape its content. It's what you put in us to guide us. And without it, we're in darkness. For you said your word is a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. And we don't have that. We have nothing. We're in darkness.
So we pray that we will count it a treasure to have the word, to hear the word, to be able to believe the word. To hold it fast and not let go of it. To look at you as the faithful God. One of your wonderful attributes, dear Lord, is that you are faithful. You watch over your word to perform it because you're faithful and you can. May we so trust you. May we walk with you on that level, all of us. May we see the big change come in these last days as we not only get purged and purified, but we become strong. I ask you to bless to the memory and the heart of all of those that are here tonight the blessing of this word into their lives. Quicken us, O God, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.